From Loyola University Chicago School of Law, this is The Podvocate, where law students exploring the vanguard of the legal world with experts from our backyard and beyond. Subscribe to The Podvocate wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about this episode and our guest, please check out our social media pages. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Podvocate. My name is Karan Kashal. I'm a tool at Loyola Chicago, and I'm joined by another tool at Loyola Chicago, Maris Medina. Today's episode marks the beginning of a new series of The Podvocate, which will focus on exploring the legal history of people of color. We hope to do a multi-semester and potentially year-long series where we dive deep into the legal history of all marginalized communities and people of color. We will begin that today by sharing our experiences in the space, some statistics about the legal industry we're currently in, and reflecting on our experiences after attending the National Asian Pacific American Bar Association's convention. So to provide some context on what Karan mentioned, the American Bar Association data shows that people of color account for only 19% of U.S. attorneys in 2022 and women only comprising 38% of all lawyers. So both of these figures are pretty abysmal in comparison to the actual number of minorities in the U.S. and women in the U.S. As law students, we wanted to explore these numbers a little bit and discuss the importance of affinity spaces when it when it comes to the legal world. We're talking a lot about the legal space and kind of our role as law students in the legal space. Affinity spaces and experiences as people of color is not just limited to being a law student. Do you want to talk about what your experiences were like before law school in terms of being in the in, in predominantly white spaces? Sure. So I was born in the Bay Area in California in a suburb of San Francisco that was essentially 50% Asian. And I moved later on to Louisiana, where me and my brother were the only South Asians in my entire high school. And I would say out of 1,200 students, there was maybe 10 Asians total across all years. And this experience led me to value diversity highly in where I looked to go for undergrad. And this is one of the primary reasons I ended up attending Boston University, which is a very diverse institution. Boston in general has a very diverse academic circle. Yeah, I think that's that's really crazy that you were you and your brother were among less less than 10 Asian people in your high school, especially because your high school is pretty big, 1,200. I had a very different experience as you. I went to a majority minority high school. It was really formative in molding me into, into someone as well who, who really values diversity. I think because I was surrounded by so many diverse um, peers, students, friends, it just helped me develop really, you know, it, it helped me develop into a person who cared about social issues, who cared about advocacy for communities outside of my own. And it pushed me like you to go to a school that was that was very diverse. I went to University of Maryland. In terms of like diversity at Maryland, I think it was pretty similar to, to Boston, where I, I saw a lot of diverse folks everywhere. And also specifically, I took a Filipino-American history and biography class. As a Filipino-American myself, I, I don't think it's an understatement to say that that class really changed my life and really, again, paved the way for the kind of work that I want to do as an attorney. It was really shocking to learn about the contributions that Filipino Americans have had in American history and how how suppressed that history was. I was kind of disappointed to go to law school where I felt like 
diversity was not really a thing. Um, and that's why I kind of I kind of sought out a pulsa and and trying to find that affinity space that made me feel comfortable in a very predominantly white space. I think that given our very different experiences throughout our high school and and K to twelve education, that we're you know we both found ourselves on the board of the, the Loyola Asian Pacific American Law Students Association. What what brought you to a pulsa and what kind of pushed you to be more involved with this community? Right. So as you mentioned before, Maris, our experiences growing up have been so different. And as I said before, so I went from a very diverse city in the Bay Area to Louisiana with no diversity, to Boston with a lot of diversity, back to law school, which has, has very little diversity. So it's kind of been like a roller coaster of diversity and lack of thereof. So all of these different experiences have caught me at different times in my life and have caught me to realize different priorities in terms of what I value. So to me, being in Boston, the fact that it was so diverse, there was no real onus to be uh, an Asian advocate because it was just normal, for lack of a better phrase. Whereas before that, in Louisiana, it was basically incumbent upon me to be the platonic ideal of an Asian. And so coming back to law school, it's sort of tapping into that feeling again, as we see law schools have maybe five to 6% of their student bodies as Asian, if not lower in some instances. It, being in such spaces essentially makes it inevitable for one to become a leader in their, on their own community, given that there's so few people in it. So coming to Loyola and recognizing that, for example, there's no other South Asian, South Asian man in my section at all as a 1L, and that there's very few South Asians at all and very few Asians writ large in Loyola, that in order for there to be a sense of community or normalcy, it would be our responsibility to join the organization and to build that community and to change the status quo. When you were in Boston, being Asian and being surrounded by other AAPI folks was normal. We just went to uh, the Napaba conference. Did that feeling of being among people who looked like you, did that almost like bring you back to what that felt like in Boston? Or was that like a, a different experience? What was that like for you? I would say it was different just because the conference was solely AAPI. But in general, the space was just centered around having a ton of AAPI students, attorneys, judges, people from all different areas within the legal space, just getting together and having a lot of different discourse, panels, workshops, networking events, or just even social events. And that was such a great convention that I would encourage anyone who's a part of any affinity group to attend any similar type of convention that they have the opportunity to. So for some context, NEPABA is the National Asian Pacific American Bar Association, which was founded in Chicago in 1988 by a group of only 30 Asian attorneys who just got together and realized how they had no representation there was no coalition or community. And so they just got together and founded this organization. There are also other affinity groups that have national organizations such as this. And I would encourage everyone to get involved in such similar groups as they can, because they're always having events and community building exercises that are really important for us to attend because these spaces and these communities are ours. They exist for us. So it's incumbent upon us to take advantage of them.
something that, you know, some law students might be a little bit apprehensive about is that oftentimes these conferences uh, almost appear as if they're for attorneys, but there's actually a lot of opportunities for students to get involved. Um, I, I know for me personally, I competed in the Thomas Tang moot court competition that's hosted at NAPABA. And I know that NAPABA is not the only bar association that has a corresponding moot court competition or other kind of oral advocacy competition. So kind of like what you said, Kron, I would I would definitely recommend if any student who's listening is interested in some kind of oral advocacy competition. I know some of these um, conferences also have writing competitions just to just to see what kinds of things you can get involved at at these conventions. As law students, we're definitely building the foundation for our legal connections and our legal community at these conventions and conferences. And I know speaking of community, one thing that's really important is that we go beyond the affinity spaces that we belong in. A big thing that was emphasized at the convention was the importance of solidarity and cross-cultural connections. We have an opportunity to take away these lessons and and really apply it to our, our careers and also our community building afterwards. One of the things that was most illustrative of that principle of solidarity, Maris, was the keynote speech at the Nepal Convention's gala the last night, where the keynote speaker, Mia Yamamoto, who was one of the first openly trans-Asian attorneys who has been an advocate for civil rights, both within the Asian space and for all marginalized people in this country, her speech focused entirely upon ways that we can all build solidarity regardless of where we are in our legal education or legal career. The movement for LGBT equality in all has gotten its roots in the civil rights movement and the struggle for black liberation. And it's something that we can't abandon because no minority movement succeeds without allies, none. But we have to be allies ourselves. We have to deserve the support of others, understanding that we have a larger vision for society than just for our own self-interest. Given now that we've contextualized what NAPABA is and how we've found ourselves in these affinity spaces, let's bring in Audrey, who is a Loyola student and who also came to the NAPABA conference with us. Hey everyone, this is Maris. This is Karan. And we are joined by our lovely friend who is also a 1L at Loyola and a member of APALSA. Hey, I'm Audrey. Today we're reflecting on our experience at NAPABA. This was a convention that we all went to a couple of weeks ago now. We had a really great experience and we wanted a way to kind of reflect on how important these affinity spaces are for for us as well as other students that identify with an affinity group. So I guess to start, um, should we just go around and talk about kind of our initial reactions upon getting to the the convention and what we thought of when we, you know, we first got there? So as far as my initial reactions on getting to the convention go, I was I've been really excited and looking forward to attending this convention. As a one L, we didn't really know too much about it as it was in Las Vegas, but this year, as soon as we found out it was going to be Indianapolis, which is in driving distance, a lot of our Apollo community was really excited to go. I'm also involved with the National Apalsa and Nepalsa, so I was also looking forward to going and meeting some of my fellow board members there. And upon arriving at the convention, I was just taken aback by the scale of the convention. 
there was over 2,000 Asian attorneys and students there. So that level of community is not something you'd really see often or really anywhere else. So getting to be in that space was very comfortable. And my initial reactions beyond that just focused on all of the different levels of networking and panels that were going on, all AAPI focused, just focused on getting AAPI legal issues more exposure, getting AAPI law students involved, and just introducing us to the broader Nepaba community. I didn't really have any expectations going into it. I just knew that there'd be a lot of Asian attorneys. And like Ron, I also was impressed by how many Asian attorneys and events and amenities there were. It seemed very well put together. I was kind of overwhelmed because I don't really know much as a 1L. I just know, you know, civ pro towards some property. And so seeing all the different events for the different types of practice areas kind of overwhelmed me. Um, but it was interesting to see how there's so much diversity even within this niche uh, group. Yeah, I think something that both of you brought up was just being in a space with that, the kind of magnitude that Napaba was. Paran and I, we hosted this conference earlier in the summer where we hosted basically a bunch of AAPI prosecutors at Loyola. And that was a really amazing conference for me to experience and to help host. And I think even seeing something like that, but like times a hundred was, was really, was really impactful for me as well. And I think just like the sheer magnitude of it was like both overwhelming and also just like really affirming that I could also be one of these attorneys one day. That's a really good point you made, Maris, about the conference we hosted at Loyal in the summer. I think the importance of that conference versus the Nepalba convention is whether it's 30 attorneys or 3,000, we still felt the level of community. And it just shows how important it is to have these spaces available. We experienced both of those conferences as 2Ls, but Audrey, you were a 1L. And like you said, like you're only a couple months into your legal career. So what was that like as as a 1L? And how did you navigate that space as someone who, who has just gotten into the, the legal industry? I also, just outside of this, I also am part of different bar associations. Um, and I like to go to those events just to really start networking early. And with those, I also bring just like, a little spiel of, hey, I'm a 1L, I know nothing, I'm just here to learn. And I think having that humility and openness helps make people be less on guard or just relax more and feel like they have a lot to share and that always makes people feel good. So I think that helps with just creating more genuine connections because it's less of the formal like, oh, I'm you know, Audrey, I'm from Dallas, I'm a 1L, I am interested in this. It's less like formal and it more is just kind of more on connecting. Yeah, Audrey, that's a great point you make about like how to foster those deeper connections. Because something I noticed even throughout my 1L year is all of these sorts of networking and meet and greet and like firm hosted receptions and just all those type of events are generally very transactional in nature, no pun intended. It's more so just like, what can you do for me as a law student and what can I do for you? So getting the opportunity to attend a convention such as this, where it's not about that transaction, like what can you give me? What can I offer you is a really important thing to experience. And it's something that will shape how you interact with other lawyers and law students going forwards, I think. Yeah, that that is such a good point. And I think that's what I struggled with as a 1L when I was, you know, when networking was being kind of forced down your throat. Like it doesn't have to be this like, 
transactional thing but a lot of times like Karan said like it kind of does feel like that and I, I think the difference with these ginormous affinity spaces is that like the community is is onset like it's immediate and you just feel it right away do, do you guys remember any like interesting panels or um you know anything you did at the, con- the convention and conference that that really sticks out to you one of the panels that I went to was about the four m's um I think it's menstruation motherhood menopause and miscarriage and how the workspace can help support women through those different life stages and it was just really interesting hearing from all these high-level attorneys who like gone through all of these sometimes devastating things or at the very least very taxing and how they were or weren't supported and what suggestions they have moving forward to help the future generation of lawyers have like a safer space for their work one of the panelists, she works, I think, in Michigan, and she works at like a mid-sized law firm. And her firm has childcare available on the premises, and so it makes it really easy to not have to juggle childcare, daycare stuff with work and getting to and from those, and trying to balance the schedules. That's that's awesome. A lot of what they must have talked about that's not in our periphery right now, but it's it's cool that they're opening up these conversations pretty early on in our careers. I think what really sort of got me into the mindset of the convention was the first real day of programming that I was there for. It started at 9 a.m. and I attended the civil rights panel where there was a few professors and different civil rights attorneys uh, presenting. And that panel just went through a lot of different Asian legal, legal history and different Asian legal issues going back like for the last 100 years, if not more so. And that basically just made me realize how important and seminal understanding our legal history really is, as that's not something that is going to be easily accessible or found to us just going to school and you're going to law school now that you assume you're going to learn what you want to learn, which is not really the case. I mean, there's not really, there's a dearth of AAPI legal or even just in general ethnic legal studies courses. So getting to hear from experts and people who not just took these courses or teach them, but actually lived through all of these different experiences was just a life-changing experience. They talked about so many different instances of protest they were specifically involved in, whether it be in Berkeley in the 1960s or whether it was just teaching us about important Asian legal cases such as Lum v. Rice or the Bugat Singh Tin case. So that sort of just sparked a desire in me since the convention to just learn more about AAPA legal history and hopefully use this as a platform for that. Yeah, I think when we kind of talked about that panel later that day, something that I I kind of like recalled was taking a Filipino American history class in undergrad. And that was very much a survey class. Like it wasn't specific to the legal field, but even experiencing that and seeing the contributions and the things that Filipino Americans have brought to this country and the threads of history that we have been intertwined in. That was really life-changing for me. If only we had kind of the opportunity to explore that in our legal education, I think that would make the experience feel a lot less isolating. That, that's a good point you raised, Maris, about like this feeling of isolation. Because one of the things I wrote down when I was taking notes at that panel was about how it's so important for advocacy to not be so isolated or insulated. And I think the prerequisite to that is just actually knowing the history and knowing how we got to where we are before you can sort of begin on that path. NAPABA themselves endorse and try to prop up 
and support a lot of different attorneys that they feel qualified to be federal judges. And historically speaking, they haven't had the most level of success beforehand because it's just been a push from the AAPI community. And this also goes for other national affinity orgs as well. But whenever these organizations started supporting and endorsing each other's candidates, that's when they actually started getting to the bench. That's a good concrete example of how this sort of advocacy actually works. When I started my legal journey, I, I was prepared for it to be like really theoretical, but I did think that we were going to get a little bit more civil rights mixed in, a little bit more history mixed in. And I felt like a lot of our classes just lacked a lot of like really meaningful context. And Audrey, I wanted to ask what has that been, what what kind of, what has your experience been in terms of your expectations with law school and how AAPI history is, is integrated into it? Going into law school, I didn't really have that expectation just because I know that academia is a very white and male space um, and older space too. And so minority voices aren't really highlighted and the experiences aren't highlighted as well. I appreciate that Strang and Robbins highlight how inequality is perpetuated through the law, whether that be through property with racial injustice or torts with how like the quote unquote reasonable person is always or usually a white male older judge and the judgments that are made come through that lens. I never expected for there to be any Asian experience highlighting just because I feel like that's such a niche perspective in the legal field. So I didn't expect kind of the core classes to address that at all. Maybe more high level, like how the other universities do have AAPI legal study classes, but at least with like the basic ones, I didn't really expect that. So I wasn't able to be disappointed, I guess. I had this internalized notion that like, oh, it our history almost doesn't matter or is too niche, as you said. But I know that the panel that Quran attended, it's like very clear that AAPI individuals and communities are linked within in U.S. history. So I don't know. I think that just really emphasizes that we do need, you know, like maybe an elective or another, other courses where we can learn about that. Because like we're not, I don't know, it makes me sad. Like we're not invisible from American history, but it really does feel like that. Yeah, and I had gone to a documentary viewing about the Japanese internment camps and how land was seized from Japanese Americans. And just thinking about that more now as we're discussing it, I feel like maybe that could be included in a property class mm -hmm. of just maybe eminent domain and how that's been used badly. I don't know if that's what the U.S. used, but that kind of power where it's for like the betterment of the people, quote unquote, but which people? and how Asians have been left out of that definition. Just to follow up on that, I do think it's interesting that it took like a convention or just a discourse like this for us to realize that our history and our legal issues have been such important precedents in like constitutional law or property law, for example, that we, it took, yeah, it took us until then to realize this, such that coming into getting a legal education, we didn't even expect to really learn about it. Right, right. In terms of Asian legal studies, I know specifically Southern Methodist University has at least one Asian legal studies course, but there are also a variety of other organizations such as the Korematsu Institute and Professor Robert Chang in Seattle who are involved in teaching Asian legal studies and writing critical Asian legal history essays and papers and making sure that discourse is still going along, even if it's not inside of a dedicated class. 
switching gears a little bit, Kron, I know you were involved with Nepalsa this year. Do you kind of want to talk a little bit about that? Because that's an affinity space in its own. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So Nepalsa is the National Asian Pacific American Law Student Association. I would say almost every almost every Nepalsa or equivalent organization is a chapter. And Nepalsa basically just exists to support Asian law students throughout the country in different Nepalsas. So the terms are for one calendar year. So we all hosted a law student workshop and mixer at the Nepalba convention, which was the first time many of us got to meet each other. And we were just able to foster a community organically, which is interesting because it's much harder for law students to foster a community organically, given the fact that we all have all these different backgrounds, whereas these attorneys have had so much more time in practice that they've been able to cultivate years of like either work relationships or collegial relationships or friendships, et cetera. Audrey, you you also attended the law student mixer workshop that we hosted as Nepalsa. I'm curious on what your take or perspective on it was. Yeah, so it was really cool just to have a space for younger people. Um, before that, I had just been surrounded by older attorneys who were like actually practicing. And so I felt a little bit alone and not really knowing what was going on that much. But having a space where it was just law students who are younger and also feeling similarly helps with being more relaxed in that space and having kind of even more of a community within this larger community community that I'm also part of. Um, it was cool to meet people from all different schools all across the country and see what the similarities and differences are between our schools and our experiences and just make friends that hopefully last um, into us practicing and being actual lawyers. Yeah, I feel like something that they always say is the legal community is so small. And I feel like there's definitely some truth in that. I I, I saw a lot of uh, attorneys at Napaba like reconnecting with people that they haven't talked to in a while. And it was cool because I feel like we have this shared experience of going through law school at this time and just having that like immediate connection with them. I met up with this uh, law student named Sarah who actually competed with or competed against um, at Moot Court Regionals. I met her at the con- convention and it was just like really cool. We went through that round together. It was really hard judges. And now we were like getting drinks at a random bar in Indiana. These students now, these are going to be our peers when we go into the profession. Our network is almost expanding just, you know, from outside of Chicago to to other places in the country. Maris, to your point about the legal industry being smaller, that's such a cliche that we always hear in networking, as you mentioned, but it was so interesting to see it at Napaba in full force. For instance, I I randomly encountered one of my coworkers from the summer, which I was not expecting at all to see someone like that in Indiana, of all places, as you said. And that's just another reason that I would encourage anyone who's in, who identifies as a part of any affinity group to take advantage of situations like this. Just go to events such as these, whether even if it's not national, that's where you're going to either make new connections or foster deeper connections that you already have just to make these these spaces exist for you. So there is no reason not to take advantage of them. Maris, following up on your encounter with your fellow Moot Court competitor, can you tell us what your experience competing in Moot Court at Nepaba was like and how it sort of differed from the regional tournament or even more so just the significance to you of competing in the Thomas Tang Mukur competition at Napaba. Yeah, I it's it's funny because I was when I first got 
on Timut Court, I was really apprehensive about being on Tang because it was the first competition um, of the year. I just like did not think I would be prepared in time. Um, we have one of the earlier competitions out of all the moot court competitions, but I I really did want to take advantage of the fact that it was going to be held at Napaba. Um, I wanted to do well enough so I could at least go to Napaba, and I was going to go regardless. But you know, I I initially thought it would it would be really cool to get to compete there, especially in moot court. There are a lot of rounds that you can compete in that are judged by like real federal judges who also identify as API. It was just really cool. I I didn't make it far enough to get to finals or semis, but um, my partner and I did make it to the nationals round. It just like really opened my eyes to just in, in general, like just the power that I can bring into an oral argument. All the judges that I had again were were all Asian attorneys. And then when I attended the final round, that was really cool because it was a panel of nine judges, all API. I think most of them, if not all, were federal judges. And it was just really cool to kind of see like their line of questioning. And afterwards, when they gave feedback to the finalists, how they view what, you know, what makes a good oral argument, that that was just really cool. And honestly, really helpful for me because I do want to go to go into litigation later. Shameless plug for Moot Court for anyone who's interested. Karan's also on Moot. It's just a really cool way to, even if you're not interested in litigation, really sharpen your critical thinking skills, your research skills, your oral advocacy skills. Besides having AAPI judges in general, do you think it was significant that they decided to host the Thomas Tang competition at the Nepal Convention instead of just having it be its own thing? I think it made it an even better competition because it's connected to Nepaba. I was running into Tang alums, all, all convention basically, it really opened my eyes to how big, again, the the Tang community is and also the, the Loyola API network is. Audrey, given that you're almost done with your first semester of law school, how would you say this convention has sort of informed your perspective about your legal education in general in terms of what you've learned so far, what you expected to learn, and a little bit about how this is going to impact how you carry yourself in finish the rest of law school? First, it's just made me less stressed because people were saying that you don't have to get always to do well and have successful careers. And so that's a lot of load off my shoulders because I definitely know I'm not going to be, you know, number one in all my classes. Um, another thing was that I had gone to a kind of speed career counseling thing. And so I talked with this one guy and he gave me good advice of just to kind of roadmap what I want my career to look like and think about, okay, like, do I want to be alone when I'm doing, do I want to be more collaborative? Do I want to be in the courtroom? Do I want to be more in an office? Do I want to do, you know, stuff that can affect somebody's whole life, like immigration or family law, or do I want to do something that's a little bit lower stakes? Um, And so that's helped me kind of just plan where I want my career to go and what classes I can take to support that. Maris, I would like to ask you the same about being halfway through law school. This was the first time I saw that that magnitude of, of AAPI attorneys, and I do feel really empowered moving into my you know latter half of my legal career. Kind of similar to Audrey, I feel almost like a sense of comfort that there are so many people that I can you know reach out to if I have career advice. Um, 
something that someone told me in terms of networking is just you like one it doesn't have to be transactional so I don't have to have these transactional relationships with these attorneys and two having these relationships is kind of like planting seeds later down the line if I want to switch careers I have this amazing network of attorneys that I can just literally hit up and ask like what do you do in your field and hopefully when I secure my whatever post-grad career I secure I have this network of of mentors and people that I really look up to I would echo a lot of what you said Maris it's a it's different from knowing like names of people who are doing certain things that you might see on LinkedIn or on firm websites but being in one place where you're seeing all these attorneys in so many different practice areas whether it's litigation transactional or big law or even public interest seeing all of the attorney, these attorneys who are engaging and thriving in all of these different areas was really comforting. It's not a, it's not like a zero-sum game in the sense that if they can make it, then we can make it as well in whatever area we choose to. And as you mentioned, Marist, attending events like these and fostering relationships such as these are what's going to propel us forward and make it easier for us and future AAPI law students to achieve where we want to be. On that note, I think it would be kind of nice to close off this conversation by maybe going around and talking about one thing that we're excited about in terms of the future of the AAPI legal community. Sure, I can start off by answering that. I can say one thing I'm really excited about is the the, the greater emphasis placed on building solidarity with other communities of color and marginalized communities. As the AAPI community has historically been propped up as the model minority, and we all have heard that myth perpetuated so many times before and just hearing so many different attorneys from all different backgrounds talking about the importance of solidarity and also how they're practicing it every day is something that really spoke to me and I'm glad to see continuing and I hope to be a part of that as well. Yeah, I think the biggest example of that was with the gala speaker, um, Mia Yamamoto, and how she was talking about how we need to support all the other affinity or minority groups and that being individualistic with our advocacy and activism only hurts us. Yeah, I think both of your guys's uh, reflections on this question has just made me personally really excited of potentially like laying that foundation at Loyola. I know Quran, like we're going to try to, <laughs> and also like the rest of Apollo, so we're going to really try to push for hopefully a a course or or a seminar or something like that in, in the coming um, semesters at Loyola where we study Asian American legal history. So I think even, yeah, just that micro level, I'm really excited about amplifying more voices and more histories that we talked about at Napaba but don't get to talk about in the classroom. That's all from us here at The Podvocate. Thanks again for joining us today. Our team wants to hear from you. If there's a topic you want the show to cover, please email us at thepodvocate at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at the.podvocate for more information on this episode and our guests. The Podvocate is produced by WLUW, the student-run independent radio station broadcasting from the School of Communications at Loyola University, Chicago. Our editors-in-chief are Neka Ugu and Andy Vandenbush. Our senior editors are Marcus McNeil and Casey Callahan. Our associate editors are Ben Recht, Maris Medina, 
Johannes Alvarez Rivero, and Karin Kershaw. Special thanks to Professor Radhika Sutherland and Dean Stephen Russian for providing the resources and support to make this show possible. From Loyola University Chicago School of Law, this has been The Podvocate.